This is EdTech Weekly. I'm your host, Ricky Zager, and with me today on the show, as always, Matt Harrison. Matt, say hello to the good folks. Hello, good folks. Thank you. I got to be honest with you, Matt. Our show is on fire. It is El Fuego. It is the fire. Not only do we have uh, tens of listeners, we had our very first interview last week, which was pretty awesome, and now our very first voicemail... I don't hear excitement, Matt. I'm just counting all the calientes. It's a lot of calientes. It's a lot of them. It's not advertising, which is what you actually solicited for last week. It's an actual voicemail. It is from someone that we know, but it's unsolicited. We never said, hey, call the show now to her other than just the podcast. So I'm going to count it as our first call, and I think it is a legitimate call. What do you say? I have to ask one question. Uh Did she call the crazy phone line that we have or your cell phone uh that's gonna be our phone line matt and i believe that number that you're talking about is 305-92-TECH-2 yeah that's the number she called can i catch a niner in there there's a niner in there unfortunately um when i set up the voicemail it is working but i didn't set it up so it just gives you that like robotic like you have called a subscriber leave a message so i'm gonna have to actually do that upright unless you want to be in charge of leaving the uh greeting message oh no that will just drive people away that's true good point okay so i was wondering should we play it now or should we wait till the end what do you think i think we should wait till the end let's give the people a little bit of suspense if we just give them everything up front then they're just gonna take and take and take <laughs> those people they'll do it you're right though i agree with you so let's just move on and we'll get to the edtech headlines of the week A Forbes article explains how strong community and educator support drives EdTech's success. I'm not sure that this is a revelation uh, in itself, but the article goes on to explain some cool EdTech successes, uh, like one that was done by Libraries Without Borders. It's called IdeaBox, and it has had some pretty good success in refugee camps in Burundi. Um, The question is, how do you make that leap to different cultures from places that it's been successful? And that is something that has has plagued ed tech companies in general in some of those initiatives. It's just been difficult for them to repeat that process. They make it work in one school, but can they make it work for a district and those type of levels? So it, it mentions that having local stakeholders wherever this you know company is and local support is a huge part, and that makes sense. Um, and it's an interesting perspective as a lot of companies are sort of taking that approach that like we're trying to solve everything with this one piece of technology and it's one size fits all but this information is kind of giving us that well it's really not about that it's more about really having local buy-in and and people in that community working with really buy-in so it's not just about a one size fits all you have any thoughts on that matt yeah i thought it was an interesting article an interesting idea um if you were to take this model um and then use it in sort of the kiva.org model as far as uh getting you know what basically kiva.org does is they allow you know people who have the means to be able to uh, donate money into people who have like business plans and stuff like that and they're actually going to be pay you back over time uh, using something like this in a kiva model would actually allow you um, presumably to be able to find stakeholders that can you know try to allocate funds for this and then come up with actual business plans that exist around it um, and reaching out to people uh, you see a lot of people that say, oh, well, if you drop this box off in this one region, you know, it worked in 
X, Y, and Z, so it has to work here. And there's really no, um, there's no impetus behind that to make that plan work. Uh, doing something like this gets local stakeholders and local support and local municipalities probably on a, a whole, hopefully a larger scale to adopt a lot of these methodologies that can work in their area and work with stakeholders as well as the companies that exist elsewhere in the world to try to find those perfect, you know, magic in a bottle that's going to start engaging, you know, students at a younger and younger age to, you know, change the way things work. Yeah, I mean, it almost seems to me that it's like, it's why wouldn't people think this way? Like, of course, you have to really look at it from the local level of people you're affecting everywhere you go because cultures are different. And even from state to state, from city to city in the United States, there's differences based on how the school system works and how it's been going for generations. All those things are important. So it is an interesting thing. And I, and I think if you're an ed tech company or somebody who works for an ed, ed tech company, you definitely want to think, and probably any company, let's be honest, but you, you want to be thinking about that local stakeholder and having support in that little, in the community that you're working with. And if it's a school by school basis, then that's something that you got to do. So it's definitely interesting. It's a different perspective and I think maybe a good one for some of these companies who are trying to just give one size fits all and make something work everywhere. It just may not work that way. Our next story, Matt, EdTech Magazine reports that game-based learning thrives despite report that it is dead. The article cites some Minecraft uses in schools and how over 70% of teens play some type of video games. Um, I, they didn't mention any statistics on games in general, but I'm guessing just about all people play some sort of game, but specifically video games, um, ed tech and tech in general, Matt, it seems like always we hear these statements. This is not the first episode that we've talked about this, where the PC is dead or MOOCs are dead. And now this is game based, you know, learning is dead. Um, the report, I mean, this deaths, you know, talk to me is really just the process of these things evolving. Do they always go from, you know, a small and grow to this huge success right away? No, but it evolves. It changes the way things work within ed tech. But there's no possible way that game-based learning is going to die. I mean, it's just, it's too fun, right? I mean, it seems ridiculous to say something like that. Yeah, I, I would probably say that if you went up to the average person and said, MOOCs are dead, they'd be like, what is a MOOC? Yes, uh, uh, yeah. It's, it's one of those things that everything, it's, a, it's clickbait. My bigger idea about this is I think that there is a decline in game-based learning games. And I think this is the reason that I believe that is, is because game-based learning games are terrible. And games that are based as a game and turned and have learning modules that, you know, grow into them thrive. Um, you could probably, you know, ha you having a, a young son means that you've probably seen a hundred and... 20 different little programs that it's, you know, it's a little game and you get to play and you get to learn how to move the things around and you can do it in a number of different ways. I remember Mario in 1996 had a game where you had Mario in time and then you had to slowly input all the information that you learned about that. So, you know, you could get Mario to jump from one time zone to another. I played that game. No other human being on that game on this planet has ever played that game. <laughs> You were the only but, one, the pioneer. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, it was different times back then. <laughs> but then you take Minecraft, or if you were to take a learning-centric 
an education-centric idea about how to build a Lego set to erect a rocket ship or something like that. Um, if you start turning these games that kids are already playing and then adding that educational bend into it, you're going to start seeing a lot better results than coming up with you know, a Candy Crush skin that says instead of knocking out all of the red gems, you have it say love or something like that. It's, you, you know, Candy Crush is a time-filling game. Minecraft is something that kids will spend eight to six hours doing something with. Yeah, and I mean, I think it, it sounds like what you're saying, correct me if I'm wrong, but these these things sort of happen organically within the structure of making a good game or making an interesting architecture for a game and the education is built sort of into it as it goes. I mean, when Minecraft was first being played, and this is years and years ago, and I've never been a Minecraft person, but I know it's been around for quite some time. Um, I don't know that the immediate thought, at least not the one that I had, was educational. But it really has transformed itself into that over the years. And you still get that hook of the kids wanting to play it, but you're developing it into something. And I think that's where a lot of the, the gamification goes into problems is when people go... I'm I'm going to create this great education game. Well, a lot of times like you said, those games are horrible. Like they're just being yeah. made for the sake of being an education game. So I I certainly don't think it's dead um or or dying and I and I think like no. like anything else that we talked about MOOCs and you know whether people know what those are or not, you know, massive open online courses, they're they're evolving and changing and they're also influencing other courses, other online courses or other games. And, and that's sort of what happens. It's not necessarily every game is going to rise to a situation where everyone in the whole world plays it and it's it's the best ever. You know what I mean? It's 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 a development and it's a it's sort of an organic process. So I, I think what you said is definitely on point there. I no, think. I like if you were in the same way that MOOCs are dying, you can't say that if you were to say that MOOCs are dying and the PC is dying, then so are mobile-based games because Zynga closed. Like, it's such a small percentage of what's actually out there. Wait, Zynga, by the way, Zynga closed? What? I don't know. They, Come like, on. fired a bunch of people. Come on, ago. Zynga. Yeah. But, I mean, MOOCs grew out of something that had nothing to do with education. I mean, massive multiplayer online games really were the birthplace of that and online forums that had nothing to do with that. So, I, you know... Look at the evolution of how, what we actually have today and then figure out how it plays into education. You can't build an education-based thing and then try to say, you win a badge, uh, fun times now. Oh, yeah, like, that's a good idea. I like it. Basically, stop trying so hard, people. Just yeah. develop these games, f develop a good game, and then if it develops into something for education, awesome. But don't just assume yeah. that because you call it, an especially now with all these ed tech startups making so much money. And I just saw another one in the news today that we may talk about next week, but another like hundred and something million dollar round of funding for another ed tech company. So there's a lot of money being thrown around. And in those situations, maybe step back and really think about what are you trying to do here? Are you just building a game because it's an ed education game and that's all that matters and you don't really have the basis for a, a playable, sustainable game or architecture? Something to think about. Um, let's move on to our next story, Matt. I don't want to bore the people too much with this game-based talk um, without them having the ability to play games anyway. Our next story, the Silicon Valley Education Foundation, oh, that's right, S-V-E-F, has named six ed tech startups the winners of the third 
Learning Innovation Hub or iHub pitch games held at Adobe Systems. This is a pretty cool thing. Basically, they invite some different companies come and they and teams come in and pitch their startups uh, for ed tech. It's kind of like the Shark Tank if you if you've seen that where they come and pitch. Except for the, we don't have Mark Cuban now. Instead of that, it's some ed tech people. Um, Basically, there's something called Teaching Garage, which gives elementary school teachers help in laying the foundations of computer science and an app, I believe, called Drop, D-R-A-W-P, which is a platform that basically helps make some current assignments and things more interactive for students and teachers that can write over them, save them, share them with each other uh, more easily. Um, We'll post a link on edtechweeklyshow.com as well with this that you can check out some of the other ones. This is pretty cool stuff, and interestingly enough, it's funded by a grant through the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So once again, their philanthropy is affecting uh, a lot of people, including some uh, 40 or something schools in Silicon Valley. So it's pretty cool. Any thoughts on this, Matt? I just think it's a really cool program. Uh, It gets people more interested in starting to create things and really just kind of you know, shows how innovative this space can be. And the things that they can come up with. Um, if you read through all of them, you know some of them sound a heck of a lot cooler than some of the other ones. But you realize that it's the ebb and the flow that make the whole industry. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's definitely awesome. It's you, you want to be giving people. Obviously, these people um, need some sort of funding. This is not somebody who's getting a hundred million dollars of funding. So they're pitching ideas, and they have a form to do that. And it's you know it's a grant funding uh, thing for the. Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So, you know, it gives people a chance that maybe don't have the resources to pitch an idea and, and put it into some schools and see what happens. So it's, it's awesome. I am interested in the All Can Code game just because it's been a while since I played an adventure game. There you go. I wonder how fun it would be. Well, why don't you Hopefully check it? it's all text-based. That'd be cool. Text-based, yeah. Why don't you check it out and tell us, what, tell us next week what you think. Maybe you could do a, a featured segment on that, Matt. Let's do it. All right. The next story, Education World Reports. FETC focuses on future tech now. So if anyone's familiar with the formerly Florida Educational Technology Conference, it is now being changed. They're changing the F word, Matt, and making it future of Educational Technology Conference. Really thought you were going to say something else. No, no, no. This is a family show, Matt. It's a family show. You know, this sounds to me more like a push to make it a little more nationally or globally recognized. So it's not just standing for Florida and, and people thinking that it's only for people in Florida. Um, you know, I've been there three years in a row and I always assumed the F stood for Florida, but everyone who, who you know you talk to that just calls it FETC. So I think this is really just more of a publicity move. Um, you know, if they are really going to change their more of their focus on future stuff, that would be interesting. But a lot of what they do, they let people present like most conferences and so you're going to kind of see the trending that way. The things that people are finding that they think is cool that they'd like to present is generally going to be at least part of what the future is. Um, but again, this does bring us to the point that, you know, those ed tech conferences, it is the season and in the next several months, a lot of them are coming up. And I will go ahead and post a link to the 2015-2016 ed tech conference schedule so that you can uh, take a look at that and see what you think you might want to attend um, again. Matt, I don't really think there's a whole lot going on in this story. Uh, do you see any real benefits here with this name change for him? Um, no, I wish them all the best luck. Um, to me, it just smacks of it turning into a trade show. But yeah, I mean, it, 
Yeah, it's it's kind of it's got a, a you know a floor for vendors, and I think most you know ed tech you know, yeah, um, know. conferences have that. But I, what I worry about is I don't want you starting to guess what's going to be the future. Does that make sense? Like I'd I'd rather yeah. see it organically where this guy or this lady is presenting on something they're using that they found and it's like, you know, it, it it's, hasn't been done and it's sort of the future rather than just a bunch of people searching to find stuff that they think might be new in the future. I, again, we'll have to see what changes, if any, are made. I'm sure I'll be going again this year and probably the next. So I can we can do a running report on that and see what happens. But Matt, you know, we got to get to the big moment of the show. Our first voicemail, I am... I'm ecstatic. First of all, because, you know, the number that you always give me such a hard time about 30592 Tech 2 actually worked. Somebody called it and the message worked. I, I don't know quality if it's it's if it's amazing or not, but we'll play it here and uh, we can we can judge that for ourselves. But is there anything you'd like to say to me, Matt, after all the trouble you've been giving me and now that we had our first caller? You know, sometimes when I mash all the buttons together, sometimes I end up dialing somebody, too. So is, you think this was an accident? No, you know her. Yes. And it still yeah. it still could have been an accident, I guess, but I think yes. there was intent. I think there was true. intent here. We'll listen to it and we'll see what we think. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and play it now. Hi, this is Meredith calling for EdTech Weekly. I just wanted to say that this week's um podcast was probably the best I'd heard uh your whole of your whole series and more interviews. Really liked Carla's perspective and what it brought to the dynamic of um of your show and hope that you guys can do more interviews in the future. Best of luck. All right, Matt, we've been tasked. She wants us to try to do more interviews. She thought that was awesome. And she thought last week's show was the best show that she's heard yet. And I know for a fact, because she talks to me quite a bit that she has actually, she's listened to almost all the shows, which is pretty awesome. And that's more than I can say for just about anyone, including people I might be married to or other relatives. So that's pretty awesome. Um, I think that this is a huge step for us. I think that it's going to open the floodgates, Matt. I think we will be getting at least one phone call and message probably in the next 20 episodes. I think we'll get at least one more. And I think this is a big deal. I really do. Well, I'm just hoping that it turns into um, just a continued open dialogue about real things that are, have to do with education technology in a weekly podcast format <laughs> and allows us to have more and more guests to keep minds open and ready for learning. <laughs> you are so silly. But you know what? You 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 certainly are jesting there, but I really honestly think that you know, us having the opportunity to do our first interview and that going really well. And if you haven't heard that show, go back to episode 18 and listen to Carla. She does says some really awesome stuff about accessibility and she gives you some really great resources. So it's definitely a show to check out. But, you know, I hope that this really honestly, I know there was a whole lot of sarcasm going on with you, but I hope this honestly is sort of a way for us to maybe, you know, let our guard down a little bit, have a little bit more fun, do some more interviews and and set them up. And then, you know, again, this whole voicemail stuff, maybe only Meredith ever calls. Maybe she calls every week. That's okay. At least we get some interaction. And that's what I was looking for. Um, we've had some, we've had a couple posts on our Reddit site, which we'll talk about in a minute. So, you know, hey, it's, it's going somewhere. And by the way, 
I think it's a good time to also mention to you that our last episode with Carla, the interview, is the most listened to show that we've ever produced. Um, as of this afternoon, when I looked at it, we had like 85 listens. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah, no. It's not I, nothing. It's more than any other podcast that I didn't do listens, had listens. I mean, you know, that's it's something. Yeah, that's true. That's more than our other podcast that we have. That's right. That, that we don't have. Exactly. Yes. Right. Or that we have, but didn't have not done that anything. That we have not done yet. It's, well, listen, that just, you know, that's a little, a little wet in the appetite for the listeners. There could possibly be more to come. I mean, is if you weren't already getting enough, you could get more. It's amazing. Yeah. I could be in your ears 24 hours a day. Hmm nightmare status it is almost halloween so that actually might work out well matt let's close out the show if you want more information about the stories we talked about on today's show just go to edtechweeklyshow.com there's going to be some links there and again we'll put that link in for the edtech conferences you can check that out as well you can follow me on twitter at four tech teachers the number four tech teachers uh just try to tweet out some cool educational technology stuff um, email the show. That's another way for you to get your um, opinions out there. EdTechWeekly at gmail.com. You can leave a uh, recorded message if you want. Send us an MP3 file or something like that if you don't want to make the phone call, if you want to produce it a little bit better. Um, tell us what we're doing, like what you like, what you don't like. And if you're somebody who wants to be a guest, email me. Um, we're down. We'd love to have anybody on at this point. We're, we're just we're trying to figure things out and we want to have as much fun as we can. So if you have something that you'd like to talk about ed tech wise, uh, give me shoot me an email and we'll see we'll see if we can get you on. Again, call that awesome voicemail number that Meredith used, and it is a legitimate number, and she is a legitimate caller, 30592-TECH2, 30592-TECH2, Matthew, even though you give me a hard time about it. Again, we're still going to play voicemails we get, so we'll leave some voicemails, and let's see where we can go with that. And don't forget edtechweekly.reddit.com. If you're somebody like me, that's how I access it. If you're somebody like Matt, well, you go to Reddit and then you go to the subreddit and then your subreddit is edtechweekly. Is that was that pretentious no, enough for it or no? Edtechweekly. Edtechweekly. Okay, better. Go to Reddit. Edtechweekly. You get it, man. Yeah. If you're a Redditor, you get it. If not, edtechweekly.reddit.com and post some links to stories, resources, whatever you want. Matt, that's the end of the show. Um, I got to be honest with you. I was excited about last week having an interview. I was excited about having a voicemail this week. I can only imagine what next week will bring. Do you have any words for the people as we leave? I don't have anything planned for next week other than being on this show. However, earlier today, I want to let you all know. I went to Amazon and I bought a pair of jorts. All right, will you wear the jorts when you do the podcast next week? If they arrive in time. It's Amazon, dude. If they don't arrive in time, you got some real problems. Well, we'll see you guys next week on EdTech Weekly. It's really hard to find some that are frayed on the edge and have slight burn marks. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>